Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome to episode 150 of the GateWorld Podcast. My name is Adam Barnard, and today I'll be emceeing a very special anniversary discussion with the original GateWorld Podcast host, Darren Sumner and David Reed. Darren, as you know, continues to serve as a managing editor at GateWorld.net and the primary host of the GateWorld podcast. Um, But David has actually since graduated the ranks of GateWorld and moved on to become a content creator and consultant at MGM Stargate Command, uh, working in official capacity for the Stargate franchise. He also hosts Dialing Home and the official Stargate podcast. He's been really busy being the voice of the fans and creating really exciting content specifically for the fans uh, in this new era of Stargate. On a really quick personal note, uh, it's re- it's really cool to be a part of this discussion because I actually grew up listening to this podcast at length in middle school and high school. Whenever I would go to the bike ride or go to the gym, I would pop in my headphones and listen to these guys discuss the latest Stargate Atlantis or Stargate Universe episode. It's super surreal to be actually working with GateWorld and to be able to host this discussion and kind of look back in a really celebratory fashion and look at the history of the GateWorld podcast and hear from both Darren and David their highlights and where they see the future of Stargate going. So I'll just throw it over to you guys. It's so great to you know digitally have you guys in the same room again. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. It's good to be here. It's a very, very formal introduction. I mean, I, I appreciate the, the stuff that you said. We're usually more off the wall than that. But uh, thank you. It's good. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have David back because, Adam, you and I have been doing podcasts for about a year now since we got the Origins news announced in 2017. And we finally had some active Stargate productions to talk about again. Uh, but now Stargate is maybe turning a corner. Gate World is sort of turning a corner in the sense that you know, GateWorld's in its 20th year now. It's kind of ridiculous to hear you say that you grew up listening to us, but the site really is that old, and you know what? The podcast itself is 10 years old, uh, and it's just, it's it's fun to be able to kind of hand things off to the next generation. Not that we're going anywhere, but we're glad to have you here. I'm still hoping to have you stay around for the podcast, too. I can't, we can't have a hard reboot. We got to have at least one of the podcast founders stay with the show. So I'm going to try to hold on to you as long as I possibly can. Yeah, we'll do the soft reboot for a while. You know, what people don't know at this point is that uh, Adam has been a GateWorld contributor now for a couple of years. And Adam, you just got yourself a promotion. Adam is now officially a GateWorld editor. Congratulations. I did. Yeah. It kind of surprised me with that. (laughs) It's been really fun because um, I'm getting to the stage where I can start to um, shepherd guest contributors in just in the way that you kind of, uh, you know, opened up the opportunity for me to come write the uh, Stargate's legacy column and do that video a couple years ago. So now I'm kind of at the stage where I'm starting to reaching out uh, to people who I know have a history with the franchise or the franchise has really impacted or, or changed their life and saying, here, come, you know, do what I did, do what David did, do what Darren did, you know, write for the site and share your story and kind of keep that Stargate community going, which I think always made our pastime with the other three shows really special. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping to do as I'm taking on more of a role with GateWorld. 
Yeah, you've done a lot of great work. People have been reading your stuff on GateWorld for a long time. They've been watching your videos. You're making more and more stuff now for the YouTube channel. But uh, you're also starting to edit the work of others. And we've invited a lot of people to contribute their Stargate story, to tell us about how the show has impacted them and their lives. We started this with Sarah Carroll a few weeks ago. Uh, we've got John Cannon up on the site now and uh, other stuff coming soon. Way cool. So I guess to start off, we're going to go back about, I think, a decade to the beginning of the Gate World podcast. Um, and I just want to hear the story for people who don't know, and even myself, I think I need a refresher course in how this came about and what the first few episodes were like. Um, so Darren or David, just take us back and tell us why you started the podcast and how you guys learned to find your voice, even when podcasting wasn't a big thing. And, you know, you guys were just a fan site. You didn't kind of have the infrastructure for like a radio show. How did you make it happen? Podcast wasn't even really caught on yet in terms of a phrase I was wanting to, or a, a term I was wanting to come up with something else for it. I wanted to call it like a puddle commentary or something, but I'm glad we stuck with it. <laughs> Darren actually was the one who came to me with the idea. Um, I, I don't want to take too much away from him, but uh, he was wanting to strengthen his voice, among among some other things. He always said he has he has a voice for print. I think he would probably still think that, but um, wanted to, to strengthen a, uh, his his uh, verbal jousting skills. And I think that was one of the things that really the podcast was one of the really things that really assisted him in doing that. Yeah, oh man, go back 100 episodes, go back 150 episodes to when we started, and uh, it was a voice for print. Uh, but Still kind of is. I, uh, well, we can't all be David Reeds. <laughs> oh, I don't think my, I think my voice is, is ridiculously... No, uh, I've come... A- I've come a long way in 10 years for sure, uh, not just because of, of uh, podcasting, but because my career has taken me into to doing more teaching and more public speaking. And I knew that I was going that way 10 years ago. Yeah. So I wanted the podcast to kind of help, you know, give me a place to exercise that. And David, when you were, uh, when you started the podcast, weren't you actually working in radio? No, no. I, I had been gone for a few years. Uh, so you had I've, some experience in that I, sense. I had six years of experience as a DJ. I started uh, just before September 11th and finished oh, wow. in early 2007. And um, uh, yeah, it, uh, it it largely steered the direction of my life. I didn't know what I would want to do when I went into college. And uh, I, I started the, the, the radio gig just before my senior year of high school. By the time that my high school days were over, I knew that I wanted to pursue um, mass communication and media, which uh, that was my major, and then my minor was journalism. And so uh, a month after that, uh, or excuse me, a couple of days after my graduation from college, uh, I then um, uh, got picked up by Cheyenne Mountain Entertainment, which developed Stargate Worlds, and that was literally two days after I graduated. Wow. And I that was December of 06, and by February of 07, I was done with the radio station and working for them. And a few months after I had left Cheyenne in the fall of 08 or summer of 08, somewhere around there, that's when we started doing the podcast. So it was really great to be getting back into a kind of radio environment because it it's, to a large degree, it's still my heart and soul. Um 
and I just I love the medium. I love audiobooks. Audible is like one of my favorite things on this earth and podcasts along with that. There's just so much content. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't even on the subjects that you like to listen to, you can't listen to it all. You have to yeah. pick and choose, you know. It's like if you're a, a fan of uh, superhero television shows, if that's the only thing you watched and you dedicated yourself to watching one or two every single day, you still wouldn't have time for anything else. And the fact that, you know, people still tune into ours tune into the podcast you know 10 years after we started this whole thing it still just it blows me away absolutely blows me away yeah i'll tell you the way that the way that new features and new content came up on gateworld over the years uh, it's still kind of how it works is one of us comes up with an idea and goes to the other one and says basically i dare you to make this happen uh And so summer of 2008, I was getting interested in podcasts. I was getting aware of the universe that was out there. I was starting to listen to TV-based podcasts. I think think at the time I was listening to a a Lost podcast that was behind the scenes of Lost uh, each and every week from the the creators, from the writer's room or something like that. Uh, And so I started looking at, you know, Star Trek and other sci-fi and what was out there. And of, of course, there was no Stargate podcast at the time. I don't think so. Oh, there was. There was a, there there was a not a dedicated Stargate podcast, but there was definitely one at least for the for the Stargate Worlds video game. So there were stuff. Oh, there, there were was. things floating around out there, but the kind of behind the scenes production. One. Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting be- to think about how you know communication and media or publishing has shifted because at the time I think the Stargate magazine was was uh, active. oh yeah it was in full swing oh yeah. yeah and that was kind of like almost the podcast you know it was like a broadcast you have little segments you have little interviews you have little discussions news pieces and like I I think I, I guess at the time you started the podcast things were moving more towards audio and video instead of print and so I feel like a lot of Stargate podcasts kind of picked up the slack and you know, fill the void that was left by the magazine and some older Stargate outlets. Yeah. We weren't cutting edge on, on a lot of these things, but we were uh, maybe a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, so we were we were early adopters of things like podcasts. Um, yeah. It was just in time for Stargate Atlanta season five to start. So our first show was Search and Rescue, the season premiere. That was episode one, or that was the first episode yeah. that we covered? Yeah, July 15th, 2008. That was episode one of the podcast, yeah. We covered Search and Rescue. We had no like introductory BS episode. No, because I, <laughs> I think I approached I'll you about the idea like the week that the show was about to air. So we're like, okay, we're going to jump in with two feet. We're going to figure it out Isn't as we go along, and we're going to have a new a new topic handed to us every week while the show's running. Yeah, there's, you know, if you look back on on Gateworld, and I mean, we're going to know a lot of this stuff, you know more specifically than than anyone else will obviously because we were creating it but um there were times where we were we were going in the direction that everyone else was going in and uh made our own thing and then there were others where we just embraced what other people were doing and augmented it um like gateworld play we didn't want to integrate into youtube originally because youtube was was still very young um, yeah, I th- you think YouTube was only like one or two years old. So it wasn't like set out. To- Google hadn't bought it, I don't think. So it wasn't like the predominant thing that it was like, oh, let's go ahead and, and connect to this. And the other one that I remember very vividly was when we were developing the second version of the website, uh, Wikipedia wasn't that big a thing yet. And so we decided not to integrate it into a wiki. And both of those things we have now like kind of done. I mean, I know you guys use, is it Playwire or something like that for the website for, for videos, but you still heavily yeah. use it, YouTube as well. 
Yeah, we're active on YouTube as well. And and uh, one of the main reasons we've gotten active on YouTube this year is because, man, the audience there is so huge, right? There's a billion pairs of eyes over there. So there's people who will see our stuff on YouTube who have never heard of GateWorld, and they'll get introduced to the fan community that way. David, any favorite podcast memories from all the years that we did it? There were so many that we did. I know that there was an episode that I think Diana Botsford and I did where, you know, we had been going along talking about all of our frustrations of the show. We were pretty we were pretty um transparent about uh uh you know being able to critique Stargate, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and you know, that didn't not everyone loved that because a lot of us a lot of people out there considered us kind of like a publishing arm of the franchise. And there was an episode that we did that Di- I think Darren was off that week for one reason or another. And, and Diana came, Diana Botsford came in and did it with me where it's, I think that the title is um, like reasons we're thankful or, or reasons we have to be grateful. And it was uh, for, for Stargate, you know, and the show was, I think Atlantis or universe were, were still going at that point. And it was just such a refreshing pr- perspective to, to take specifically an episode aside to go, wow, look at how much this franchise has given us, you know? And it's it's not really something that you really think of because when you watch, when, when you listen to one of our shows, you know, you're going to hear, you're going to hear our review of the episode, what we thought, you're going to hear, you know, our, uh, our point scale that we, each of us assigned to the episode at the end. And then we had a quibble section about inconsistencies and everything else. It was just so cool to go in and, and spin an episode. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I reflecting the on, yeah, the quibbles were fun. That was a good segment. I remember that. Yeah. You guys continued that through SGU, didn't you? Like yeah, we you did. Had like a few minute segment at the end of every episode. And I was always blown away that we generally didn't have the same quibbles. You know, you wouldn't believe necessarily believe this very much, but we were really in each other's heads. Yeah, we would we would think of a lot of things at the same time when we would be talking to one another. And it's like, get out of my head kind of like became one of our phrases. Um, But we would we would sit down and we would watch an episode a couple of times and then we do the podcast and analyze it. And, you know, nine out of ten quibbles, we wouldn't arrive at the same ones. Interesting. Yeah. And these these things were mythology based. They were science, technical based, you know mechanics of of the franchise rules that were established and where they'd bend them you know inconsistencies still one of my favorite parts of the podcast well i think david you come from a you you have like a very encyclopedic knowledge of the franchise so you might even have like a more science-based mind that's darren's fault basically (laughs) you have a higher standard for different elements of the show you know that's why you don't have the same quibbles yeah that's probably true well i mean that could be my jam was always the show's mythology. Yeah, and Darren assigned the the Omnipedia to me, and that's the only reason that I have the um, the knowledge for it to this day is because I committed it to long term memory, rewatching it and writing <laughs> right. person, place, or thing on every single episode. Yeah, I think like just from a listener's perspective, you know, going back of it when I was very young, um, I I really appreciated how much you guys were, were willing to have really substantive discussions. You know, you weren't trying to be funny or you weren't trying to be really critical just to tear things apart and find the issues. You know, the quibbles was a lighthearted segment. It was something that was fun. Like, let's just, it's an addendum. It's not the discussion. And like, as a fan at the time who spent so much time on the forum and so much time reading all this ancillary content, 
to actually sit down and listen to people talk about Stargate who aren't, you know, Brad or Rob or the actors. It made fandom so much more real. You know, it's not just writing each other messages on the forum. It's like hearing your thoughts put into a discussion that was was framed lovingly and, and was sophisticated. I just felt like that was the best part of the Gate World podcast. And that's something I'm hoping to continue because like we all love Stargate and, and we kind of want to celebrate that and, and have, you know, substantive discussions about that. I think I think a big portion of it is just because you know, science fiction has meant something to both of us. Um, immensely. And it's not just, ooh, flashy and ooh, um, pretty girls. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> more, it's much more of, um, well, that made me think. And if it didn't make me think, you know, what am I missing? Or did the episode miss a beat there that it, you know, could have, you know, expanded on a la destroying an entire civilization of human replicators. And yeah. You don't, and you I don't was really about to Oh, that was a big the, one of ours. The whole the same thing. Get out of my See? head. See? Get out of my head. <laughs> yeah, it's um, science fiction. Uh, we love it so much because it makes us think, because it's it's hugely entertaining, but it entertains every part of us, right? Our, our, our minds as well as our eyeballs. Uh, and so some of the quibbles that we ended up landing on was things like that in Be All My Sins Remembered when it's... Um, it's a huge episode. It's an epic space battle. It's still one of Stargate Atlantis's very finest hours, but... We quibbled with the sort of lost opportunities of storytelling. Like, we don't take a whole lot of time to stop and really pay off the question of, okay, we're ending a civilization. Yes, they're a threat, but are they also sentient? Are they alive? Uh, what are the yeah. consequences of our heroes committing genocide and then going home for, for beers? Yeah, it, it, a lot of that was uh, spurred uh, by me... Um at least my share of it. I, I had a conversation with one of the writers at one point about some of these deeper questions. Uh, and the writer basically responded to me and said, David, that's, that's not the stories that I'm interested in telling. You know, I want to tell more action oriented stuff. Hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, and that's fine. That's fine. If that, and that's what Atlantis became. That's, that's what it really became in early like season two. And, you know, with the lighter stuff with like duet, you know, it wasn't SG one. Yeah. Weir was, Weir was not Daniel. And without Daniel on that show, um, it, it really had a different, a different tone, but you know, we, I, I wanted more of the, the thought provoking sci-fi. And I thought that that's what uh, a lot of in audiences uh, would be interested in. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we created the podcast the way that we did. Darren and I are not particularly funny. You know, <laughs> there's, there's another podcast that's, that's out there, but it's these, these guys in Australia and New Zealand, I think. And I mean, you're laughing oh, yeah. every moment. They're so funny. We're not that. Yeah, I, and I love the fact that the the Stargate podcasts that are out there right now are so different, and they're they're rewatching yeah. the episodes, and of course the conversations are so different than what we've ever done. We, I was figuring, you know, we were we may have been in an echo chamber. We didn't, I didn't exactly get to, to see the number of uh, of hits that we were getting for a long time for a lot of these episodes, and then we started letting people call in, um, and the one that that stands out to me to this day is that there was a lady who called in and we were um oh man we were at 60s or 70s at this point that we were doing this in terms of episodes and she said you know it's uh your show i i, I gave it a, a listen against some better judgment or something and she said it was much more thought-provoking than i realized mm. and i remember that to this day um 
because it said to me that, you know, what we were trying to do, whether we succeeded or failed, there was someone out there who got it. And that meant a great deal to me. And I, I hope it did to you as well, Darren, that, yeah. that you know, yeah. what we were wanting to achieve, you know, uh, did succeed at least for someone. Yeah. If there is one person out there who get, who got it, then it was worth it. <laughs> at least two. If you, if you, you know, throw my name in the hat. Um, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I feel like I might have missed some of the Atlantis episodes, but as you got later into the podcast, as Universe came back on, there was a lot of heavy or controversial or polarizing elements to the show. And I think that played to you guys' strength. You know what I'm saying? To be able to really discuss this and say, wow, the franchise is going through an evolution. We're not only just bringing up hard mythological questions or ethical questions. Now there's like a lot of personal dilemmas. And, and that was ripe for discussion, which I think kind of reinvigorated the podcast in, you know, after that little break when Atlantis ended. Well, the content had to mirror the, the franchise that we were dealing with at the time. It really did shift, I think, because Stargate shifted so profoundly when SGU came on. The storytelling was different. It attracted a different group of fans. And so I imagine the podcast listening base shifted as well. Uh, but I remember we had in that that uh, span of time between Atlantis and the start of Universe in the fall of 2009, we were having conversations about what we wanted Universe to be, what we what we were looking for in a third show. You know, something that was a little different, that was that was a little darker, a little more dramatic. Uh, and and then we had to to have the, those conversations to talk about Universe as it actually was when it arrived, right? The sort of show that it was and. Uh, uh, things that we really loved about it and things that we were uh, took a little more convincing about the show. I was hypercritical of the, of the, of universe when it first um, aired. Um, and I, uh, issues, I had issues like sex in the closet scenes and things like yeah, that. that was rough. At, the, at the end of the day, as, as an adult, um, it, uh, it still proves to be my, my favorite of the Stargates as an adult, you know, really? when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid, SG One, you know, uh, really was was the thing. Even through Atlantis, SG One, and then um, after I've now that I've watched Universe two or three times through, it really is um, it really is my favorite. I want to ask a question, and it's a difficult question now. Oh boy! How are you for both of you guys? How are you as fans able to reconcile the differences of the show? Like like David for Atlantis, I think you were kind of hoping to see some of the challenging ethical dilemmas of SG-1 and and the show did shift toward more lighthearted swashbuckling um optimistic you know gallic galactic action i mean you know is that something that you guys adjusted to or or how do you acclimate to yourself to three totally different kinds of shows and still be a fan you know i think you have to decide what you're a fan of first and foremost there was a mass exodus once richard dean anderson left yeah. Um, there, there was there was a swath of the fan base that if 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 MacGyver wasn't wasn't in SG One, they weren't interested in watching it anymore. They had decided that they were fans of RDA, and so they left. Get, Darren and I have always been fans of the trope of the Stargate itself, and I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn in saying that. Nope, nope, that's right. You mean the device itself? Yeah, like... the, the as a storytelling tool. So it wasn't like it, there was never a question in our minds of of uh, well this next one that comes out you know if it isn't exactly our cup of tea we may just not you know cover it um, right it's it's always been well this is this is what we're gonna get next let's let's ride this one out 
Um, there, there were years of, of Atlantis that I, that I loved much more than others. As the show went along and matured, um, I found myself loving it more and more. It, it found its distinctive, um, uh, slot that, that, that it fell into and moved forward on and was, uh, it was, it was really a shame that it didn't get a season six. Um, but you know, we just you know, we were uh, we were considered uh, just a an extension of of the uh, overall fan base, and we had to represent the fans. And what about you, Darren? Like as the shows, you know, shifted inside, you know, shifted to different subgenres. How did you process that change? I don't know if there's anything I didn't relate to as much. Um, although I, uh, I I was a parent by the time. Stargate Universe came along, so I was I was very aware of the fact that I couldn't share Stargate Universe with my kids until they were a certain age, an age that was going to be older than SG One. Obviously, it's it's kind of the same thing with Discovery right now. Right, Star Trek Discovery has some mature themes that means my kids who are now watching Stargate are going to have to wait a little bit longer before they get to it. Uh, but you know, I hear when when we talk about why we love Stargate, why most fans fall in love with Stargate, the first thing we go to usually is the characters. It's the characters, and then mm. subsequently, it's it's the actors who play them. Right? We fall in love with Jack and Daniel, with Sam and Teal'c, and everybody else. Uh, but for me, it was it was the characters, and then it was the universe that they inhabit. It was the the mythology. It was the gate, the principle of the gate, and then it was the the Goa'uld and it was the Asgard and it was the Tok'ra and it was uh, the Tolan. It was, it was the fabric of the universe that was slowly unfurled over the course of many, many seasons. So, you know, when we got to Atlantis, what I loved about Atlantis was all the points of connection to the show's mythology, to the, the established word that I, that I knew and loved. Uh, when we got to universe, I was just aching every single episode to see the gate Right, and to see the gate spin and somebody to walk through it to another planet, because that was the point of connection with what I loved about Stargate. And I think the first ten episodes were so heavily rooted in just the survival and and kind of personal agendas and personal conflict. Oh, SGU, yeah, 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 for Stargate Universe, and that was like a huge point of contention because, like, if you think about it you had to wait like eight months or 10 months before you really got to the classic Stargate action, just in terms of the airing schedule of sci-fi because the first 10 episodes come and then there's like a five month break. Um, So that was just a huge, it was a lot of growing pains in the fandom during that era. And and I was there to experience it firsthand. Yeah. And we've talked about this on the podcast. What a, what a big difference it might've made for some people, at least if they had stuck to the original schedule and had space air as the season as the mid-season finale instead of justice uh, because that was the first episode space was the first episode that was you know it was aliens it was visual effects it was uh it was an antagonist that was outside of the ship itself yeah and um, you have to understand that i mean they they had 40 episodes out of the gate you know we we didn't know this you know the 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 general fan base didn't that was the agreement sure. that sci-fi made with the studio and the and uh bridge and it you know, it changed it changed the, the nature of the velocity of it. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, we can we can Monday morning quarterback for you know till the end of time about it. And um, you know, Brad Wright is is going to be talking with us a little bit more about that in, in an interview that I did with him uh, for uh, Stargate Command. But again, there's a lot to be a lot to look back on and a lot to be thankful for. So I want to throw you guys another question um, for all three series. 
is there an overlooked episode or an episode uh, that really resonated with you that isn't kind of in the fan pantheon of, hmm. of Stargate Excellence? I don't know about not in the in the pantheon of Stargate Excellence, but one yeah, that... I haven't taken a look at the pantheon lately. <laughs> one that maybe doesn't get talked about as much. Uh, when we talk about the biggest and the best and, and you know, the top ten lists and our favorite lists... Um, you know what? I came up with this question uh, uh, and told Adam to ask uh, us. But you know what? Uh, Tangent was the one that I already had decided Seriously? to talk about. Yeah, because it's oh my god, there are two hundred and fourteen some odd episodes, and he picks the one that I've already crying mentioned. Crying out loud! It's just this <laughs> beautiful little bottle episode, right? With Teal'c and Jack stuck in a death glider, um, and it's just like you say, it's the sort of story that that we can't do much after season four, season five. Uh, certainly not when we have spaceships, but, you know, they get stuck in a glider headed out of the solar system. And it's, you know, it becomes a problem of, of astrophysics. It becomes a problem of uh, communication delay as the signal has to go back and forth between the Death Glider and Earth. And then we got to go find Jacob because Jacob's got a ship and we got to convince him to come help us. And it's a race to get there before they run out of air. Uh, that's a fantastic episode. It's full of humor uh, and it, it's it's set in a really specific era in Stargate history. If I had to pick one for SG-1, besides something like that, um, and, and it will give you a clue as to, you know, it'll make sense as to what resonates with me because I've kind of mentioned it, you know, already in terms of the, the greater meaning and everything else. It would probably be The Other Side um, from Season 4 also. It's just, season 4, I think, in, in large regards, is my favorite season of SG-1. It was just everything was hitting on all cylinders. Joe and Paul were, were brand new there, and they were very fresh. Um, it had it had a great uh, series of guest stars, most uh, uh, notably Rene Arbergenois. Um, it had a great uh, concept where we're, you know we're about to complete our standing orders, which is to secure technology to defend ourselves. But at what overall cost? It is a great Daniel episode where, you know, the title in itself is, has two or three layers of subtext that, that basically says it all. And it has um, struggle within the team. Jack and Daniel really, uh, it's, it's that it's an episode that has those two characters at their best. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a terrific episode because it makes us stop and ask, you know, the bigger questions, you know, uh, if, if we can get everything that we want, um, in, uh, our, to fulfill our standing orders and all we have to do is give, you know, heavy water to another alien civilization, does it matter what war they're fighting? And Daniel posits that it does, you know. Yeah. And once Jack witnesses the bigotry against Teal'c, that opens his eyes, and he's right there with Daniel at that point forward. Yeah, that's all it takes is for him to see that. And that's it's episodes like that that are tremendous. It's a it's a great pick, and it's episodes like that that you get to the end with Jack standing on the ramp, ordering the iris closed, and yeah. Alar splatting against the iris, trying to escape. Uh, it's it's endings like that that you know science fiction is at its best when it makes a stop and ask what would I do in that situation would I do the same thing that the hero of the show just did I I love Hammond's line you know I'm I'm sorry it didn't work out and Jack says don't be <laughs> you know Adam do you have a pick for an SG one episode that that we don't talk about as much 
Not off the top of my head, actually. Um, seriously? We're no, bearing seriously, all for you I here? didn't prepare. There's 212 episodes left. I think The Fifth Man, if that's uh, the one. Um, uh, was it season four, season five? Season five. Uh, yeah, season five. You know what the gold want from us? Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Dion Johnstone as Lieutenant Tyler. Dion Johnstone. He was terrific. Oh, we finally got to interview him. Many, many years yes. after the fact, I lured David back because he had kind of moved on from doing interviews. And I, I knew that. Oh, was that one of those? Yeah, I knew that Dion was on your bucket list because he played so many different characters on the show. I said, uh, uh, hey, I just got an email. Would you like to uh, talk to Dion Johnstone? Oh, I remember that now. And you were like, yes. I remember the talk, but I didn't remember the, the context behind it. No, he was terrific. Absolutely a fetch. Oh. Moving on to Atlantis, what are episodes that you, um, I'm not going to use Pantheon again, I guess, but what are episodes that are underappreciated or overlooked that really resonated with you? Okay, Atlantis. Um, my default is, is always Dow of Rodney, but I think that's become, really? that's become as appreciated as it ought to be, which is, which is very, very highly. So I'm going to say McKay and Mrs. Miller. This opens with uh, right, the introduction of Jeannie, Rodney's sister. She's at home. Uh, she's watching her daughter Madison play with her train set. And this leads into uh, Jeannie finger painting the beginnings of the mathematical proof that will, that will help Atlantis to create the, the uh, bridge. Uh, it's beautiful, beautifully written by Martin Garrow. Uh, we get to see... Uh, we get to see Jeannie. We get to see David Hewlett's real-life sister, Kate, join the show. Uh, and it's got so much family emotion between the two of them, I think. I mean, obviously, it's a huge win based on the fact that you've got the, the real family dynamics that the two actors can bring to the set, to the fictional family dynamic. But um, it just, it's, it's heartwarming, and then it's funny because we get Rod McKay. Uh, and it's got the sci-fi stuff with with yeah with the bridge and the the parallel realities. It's uh, it's really a terrific episode. David, if I had to pick my, I mean my favorite has always been Sunday, um, lar- largely because of its if it's not just because of its content but because it, uh, Martin Garrow and I talked a lot and that was one of the ones that he had always wanted to do. So you know. I was aware of, of, we were aware of that episode almost two years before it was done. Well, yeah, we were sitting in his office when he told us about the idea in like yeah, season was, two. He was talking about it. And yeah, it was, it was playing around with it. It was an episode that didn't have a particular plot, right? It was not going to have a major character death in it. I always loved Before I Sleep. Um, I think that it was, uh, in in some respects, I think it was uh, one of Tori's uh, it was definitely one of Tori's best. Um, just, just the idea, the sci-fi idea that what we're what we're seeing um, is is not the first in in the Atlantis pilot is not the first iteration of those events, because so many times you know the uh, uh, we get exposed to the first iteration of events and then there's a time travel incident. And then we see the second iteration. I mean, you can look at that like in Mobius. Uh, uh, we see the second iteration of that. Um, and we're just supposed to take for granted in uh, the Atlantis pilot that it was the first one. But um, the first mission failed. And then there's a great time travel story. They introduce um, Janice to us and his 
he one of the most significant ancients to the to the franchise. His uh, his briefcase, his his ancient briefcase with the uh, with with his his database is actually in my closet. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces in my collection. <laughs> it's just a it's a it's a strong, solid you know show, and it really showed the potential of of where Atlantis uh, could go. Well, for me, I think in terms of Atlantis episodes or an, an, an Atlantis episode, it would be season two's The Intruder. Um, uh, okay. I especially love the ending with the F-302s. Whenever there's an F-302 on screen, I always like the episode more. Um, it kind of just tapped into our character's ability to problem solve and also um, emphasizing how vulnerable Atlantis was, how you know new they were to the Pegasus and how much they've gotten in over their heads with the Wraith. Uh, it kept the stakes real. It was dark. I mean, people died, not main characters, but there was some a really disturbing death of a scientist early on. Mm. Um, it just it had those rich thriller elements that like I always love when they come up in Stargate, and I think the writers did it way better than they realized in, in, throughout the show, actually. Yeah, that was a solid story. And that was one of the first times that we really saw an F-302 in action outside of, like, Lost City. Um, oh, yeah, you know, you're we right. We really yeah. hadn't gotten a, a, a dogfight sequence like that before. And it, um, it uh, you know, that came about later in episodes like Daedalus Variations. But that, that was a terrific episode in many respects. And it shows off Shepard as a pilot, doesn't it? Because we, through season yeah. one, right, we see him flying a puddle jumper all the time. But that's, that's kind of like driving a bus. Yeah, it kind of just does it itself. And with uh, the F-302s, you actually have to use the physical controls. I always love when there's a little bit of Top Gun in Stargate, you know? <laughs> just, just a touch, just a little sprinkle. So, Stargate Universe. Um, I guess these picks will be easier because there's fewer episodes, but um, hit me. Which, which, one, which episode did you like? Oh, I think it's the harder one. Really? Yeah, there's fewer episodes to choose from, so everyone's going to say, oh, well, that's a standout episode. You, you asked for an episode that doesn't stand out that you still liked. So yeah, of, yeah. Ugh. This one's this one's easy for me. Easy for you? All right, let's hear it. Uh, we talk about air. We talk about space. Adam just did a video doing a deep dive into malice. Um, everybody loves the the sort of wrap up of the show with epilogue uh, and the introduction of the Novans. Yeah. But you know what? The one that stands out for me that I really love that doesn't get talked about as much is Lost from season one. Hmm. This is this is where we find a planet and we find a planet that actually has the ruins of a civilization on it. And so right away, I want to know about that. Right? I want to know about the civilization that used to live here. Uh, who was it? Were they humanoid? Uh, we don't find out much of anything about that civilization. Uh, instead, uh, we miss destiny. And now the, the team, uh, Matt and Eli and Chloe, they've got to find a way to get back to destiny. Uh, and this is where they use that, uh, the, the brilliant difference about the Destiny Stargates is that you can't dial from any gate to any other gate in the galaxy. Uh, the Stargates have a more limited range. So now we've got to go gate hopping from planet to planet to planet to try and catch up to Destiny before they get out of range. Yeah, these gates were designed to talk to Destiny, not necessarily to each other. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. definitely cool. It's a 1.0 gate. Um, or 0. Yeah, 0.5 or 0.5 maybe. Epilogue was always my favorite. Uh, it's heavily talked about. It's definitely Brad Wright's favorite, uh, the the episode that Carl Binder wrote, Epilogue. Um, I loved Light. I loved its exploration of characters, the uh, 
I mean, this is some people may disagree with me on this, but I I think that I think that the universe characters in many ways were much more fully formed, almost right out of the get go than a lot of the others were. Certainly more than SG One. SG One, you know, like Carter took a while to really find her, uh, a little bit longer to find her identity, and um, but a lot of uh, the SGU characters are just they're they're fully formed in that in that episode in those in those quiet scenes when they're accepting their fates either in the shuttle or or on board the ship. And then, and then the big reversal of of the discovery that Destiny, no, Destiny is actually doing what it normally does. It, it is largely my favorite in in many respects because of Joel's score for that episode. Uh, Joel Goldsmith, um, when that shuttle is leaving, that's just it's just it's it's a great piece of of music. And uh, you know, I've I've said this repeatedly. I think I think Joel's best work is is in Universe, and that that episode just really makes it happen. Adam. You have 38 left. So in terms of my favorite episode, this one's easy, and it's always been one of my favorites from Universe, and no one seems to like it, but it's Water. Um, I think it's one of the best Stargate episodes produced, not just because it has the most novel story, but because the narrative is so airtight. Um, I mean, you have the the drama unfolding on the planet where Scott gets trapped in the crevice and you learn so much about Scott and Young. Then you also have Eli causing havoc on the ship because of his immaturity. And it's – and, you know, there's a crisis in the Destiny because of those uh, – I don't want to call them. I guess the bugs or the microscopic organisms from Air Part Three. Yeah, the that dust made it devil. The ship. Yeah, the dust devil. And like that's such a unique threat, and I loved it. And it was terrifying when it shredded Corporal Gorman. I couldn't believe that scene made it into a Stargate show. I mean, it just it made it so real and violent and tense and. And I, I just love the visuals. I mean, the ice planet, those vistas, those big wide visual effect shots, um, the set itself where you sp- where the, uh, Young and Scott spent most of the episode. I just think if, if you kind of look at Stargate and you say, you know, how's the music? Where How's the production elements? How's the acting? How's the story? How's the pacing? Like Water is just a brilliant TV episode. Um, I couldn't believe no one liked it after I saw it. I went to the forums thinking, okay, everyone's got to be sold on SGU now. Everyone's got to love the show after Water. And then it was largely a negative hmm. reaction to the episode. Wow. So. Wow. I loved it. I loved that episode. I was really surprised when you said that. I was like, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. That episode's good. Uh, <laughs> well, it is good, but I've never seen it make anyone's highlights huh. for, for Universe. Interesting. No, it would definitely be in the top ten for me, I think. Yeah, I think it's one of the wow, better okay. from season one, for sure. No, it's because... TJ TJ gets to command, you know. Elena and Elena gets yeah, um, to to take over in that, and that you know is really a solid as far as I'm concerned because she did so well, and the actress performed well too. So in terms of story threads, let's just say Stargate in general, we were blessed with 17 seasons of great television and a couple movies, um, but not everything was finished, you know. There was plenty that has been left undone, both intentionally and unintentionally. So what story elements, looking back, do you wish we had gotten more on? Or there's that one thing that you wish was answered or, or came to fruition on the screen? I always wanted to know where Destiny was going. Hmm. I, re- I really got on that bandwagon. It was, it was, the, it was the first time in the, in the franchise that they had set a long-term target that wasn't going to be resolved in the in a couple of years, um, yeah. And it was uh, it was a fascinating one to me. And one day I'm hoping Brad will tell us. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. 
Yeah, that's really a big picture one. For me, it's it's maybe not as big a picture, but just as kind of left hanging out there at the end of Atlantis is the the Pegasus Asgard. The Asgard were so important to the show, right? They were so important to the mythology uh, to discover not only that there are survivors in the Pegasus galaxy, but they that they are uh, a little bit evil and a little bit aggressive, and they are using ancient technology. Uh, that was fascinating. I really wanted to see where that was going to go with the yeah the veneer, and I wanted to get the the name the veneer into canon. I think it is now. The uh, I, I'm certainly operating with the with the idea that the veneer is is considered the what I didn't realize is that it was it was used in the novels. You know, so someone someone caught on to that conversation that Martin Garrow and I had, and and I think someone else came up with it as well. So before we wrap up. Just for you, you two, um, not for me. What has been your favorite memories with Gate World? Um, just one or two moments where it's like, I'm so glad this is in my life, and I, I can't believe we get to do this as fans. Maybe a convention or a set visit. Um, just the absolute highlight of you guys' history with Gate World. <laughs> you want that to distilled into one statement? There's maybe <laughs> yeah. if you give us a few weeks to think about it. There's a top ten list there, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's on the notes. I'm just using the notes. No, no, you're good. I mean, Gate World changed my life. You know, Darren changed my life. That's that's the fact of it. I mean, I uh, it provided me a platform through which I was able to hone my talents, and um, I'm now working at MGM because of it. You know, I mean, little little things like that. You know, add up to bigger things, and I am an example of. Um, you know, you you work hard and and you know take no prisoners and follow your dreams and um, don't don't sweat the small stuff and don't you know be discouraged and 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 you can you can make your career what you want it to be. And it takes time as well. Like you you spent a lot, many many long hours and many years, you know, cultivating this kind of experience and even just expanding your knowledge base of Stargate. You know. Yeah, I was essentially an intern on GateWorld for years before I was ever paid a cent, you know, and it, that wasn't why I was doing it. But it eventually got to a point where, you know, um, time became money for me. And I was fortunate to have a job at a radio station where I could spin discs and in the meantime, write in the Omnipedia. And so that 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 was a huge, you know, a huge plus. Darren, I guess uh we had so many incredible opportunities to to visit the set and meet the actors face to face and hang out in the green rooms with them and at conventions um, and to meet other Stargate fans from all over the world and and to make friendships with people that right, you spend every every month every week in some cases every day talking to people and then you get to see them at a convention right you get to hang out with them uh, so many joys so many awesome memories so many fun Gate World dinners that we had in Vancouver over the years. Uh, but what really sticks out to me when I think back on those years was my first time visiting the set. My first time was in 2004. Atlantis was shooting, but it hadn't premiered yet. This was in April of 2004. Uh, and so I got to see the sets. I got to see the Gatrium. Uh, and I got to, to talk with David Hewlett and mm. Tori Higginson and others, uh, before right, some of their characters before Stargate fans had even had even met, you know, Tori's version of Elizabeth Weir. And so 
what that what that reminds me of is is the great fortune that we had at GateWorld over the years is to end up sort of being ambassadors of fandom to the show, right? In some cases, we were the first fans that the that the cast met, and we could kind of begin the process of you know welcoming them and encouraging them before anybody had even seen their work on screen yet. We could we could be Stargate fans to them. Um, that was a great privilege to me. And it was one of those things that we, I mean, we never took for granted, you know, that we were doing, but it's also nothing that, that we ever said, okay, you know, we have to be on our best behavior because of X, Y, and Z for this, or, yeah. you know, they, we are, we are examples of, of the people who will be watching the show. It's, I mean, I don't think we've ever mentioned that until now, really, you know, it's just something that we did. It's something that, you know, we knew we were in a privileged position to be. And we certainly weren't the other ones. Folks like Thomasina Gibson, you know, were, were Stargate fans like that, you know, went to the set and did those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, much earlier than we did. Um, Darren said at one point, you know, he's been, he's uh, been working on Stargate longer than the than than the Brad Wrights and Robert Coopers that were working on Stargate at this point. So <laughs> a, a form of it in a categorically different way. But, yeah, it blows my mind that it's uh, it's now 19 years of my life. It's most of my adult life I've been doing this. And a decade of the podcast, I mean, at this point, the podcast has been a, been around longer than it hasn't in terms of, of Gate World, right? Yeah. 2008 yeah. till present. I think, like, um, you and I, Darren, have talked about how Gate World's primary directive is to kind of preserve the legacy of Stargate in a, in a written and visual fashion, you know, yep. um, you kind of do that with the Omnipedia or with some of the video entries, like the debrief entries or the analysis uh, entries or the, the interviews. Um, and I think for me, at least, you know, I've only been with the podcast for like five or six episodes, but just the 145 episodes that came before me are so vital to preserving kind of like those moments in time of fandom, you know, how you felt when Atlantis was in its final seasons and started to evolve and what it was like for universe to come on air and then having all those uh, retrospectives of discussing entire seasons. Like I just think personally for me, like there's so much value in that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that we get to celebrate that because like I'm saying, like it's not just a bunch of posts in the forum. It's like, we're hearing someone's voice and we're, we're listening to thoughts that are parallel to our own or maybe are opposed to our own. And we learn something new because we disagree with something you guys say on the podcast. So like, I'm really, it's just so cool to have reached this milestone. I think to have the gate world podcast be at 150. I really hope that the podcast serves that place. It, it's because, yeah, I really think of, of GateWorld in large measure as a repository of Stargate history. It's the, it's the history of the internal Stargate universe, right? That's through the episode guide and it's through the Omnipedia and other parts of the site. But it's also a repository of the history of the Stargate television franchise and its fandom. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope the podcast has been able to do that. Uh, and people are still, you know, they still let us know that they're going back and listening to old shows uh, which I think is awesome and probably sounds hilarious. Uh, listening to us from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, hilariously yeah. bad. Uh, hopefully we've gotten better at our game. But um, yeah, you know what? This is a good time for us to say thank you to everybody who's been listening, whether you're brand new to the podcast or you've been listening since 2008, since episode one. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time every now and yes. then. And thank you also to the people who have called in to the show yes, over the years you. and to the people who have stepped up and co-hosted over the years. Uh, people like Diana Botsford and Tammy, Tammy Farrar and Justin yeah. Nolan have been on the show um, and others. 
Yeah, um, Michael Hinman joined us for the hundredth and a, and a couple others through Airlock Alpha. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's 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 a lot of, of fan sites that have have come and have. I mean, you can still access a lot of their stuff now, but some of them you can't. Um, we're we're still soldiering on. So Gateworld is still soldiering on, and that's that's largely thanks to the, the clicks that people provide it. So thank you. And we're very excited to see what you guys are cooking up, David, um, behind closed doors, which I, I know you can't say anything I was about. If you but were ask, ask no, I'm not that. gonna. You know, I'm not gonna pick away at it. But I, it's fair to say you're working on something, right? I am. I'm working on a few things. What What was recently announced is that uh, uh, there are there are curia- curated story arcs afoot for Stargate Command. And uh, I am I am waist deep in developing those uh, those designs, and am very happy with um, with with how they're with how they're churning out. We I, I recently did one on um, Michael from Atlantis, and it, you know that we we want people to go back and watch specific series uh, or specific stories uh, throughout each of these each of these uh, fran- each of these series. And um, what what really blew me away while I was doing some of this stuff, I don't know why it blew me away. It shouldn't have, I guess, because I you know I've just seen it again and again. Is after I was done writing a lot of this stuff and composing a lot of the videos and the various ancillary pieces for each of these curated arcs, is how much I wanted to go back and rewatch a lot of it, how much reinvested and reinvigorated I became in these, and. Um, I can only hope that that the people who get to see this content that we're making feel the same way. And, you know, if if I can get motivated by by it after having seen it like 10 times, um, I'm hopeful. There's a lot of cool stuff that that uh, that is in development. Yeah. I happen to know that season two of Dialing Home is on the way. What's your highlight from season one? We had a a round table with uh, what was a rectangular table. With the the uh, the Stargate Doctors in uh, uh, last December, it was basically a great big Christmas party in Vancouver. Me and Christopher Judge guested with uh, Terrell Rothery and Paul McGillian and um, Jewel State and Elena yeah. Huffman. Yeah, and it was just it was an extraordinary hour. But not Robert Picardo. He was the Doctor. Robert Picardo. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we didn't get Lexa either, which I was it was frustrated. So we dedicated the uh, the um, uh, each each of those parts to the the doctors that weren't with us. So yeah, it was it was a good one. And uh, I've this season we're we're now up to I think seven that we've shot for season two. Um, we uh, we opened up the season with Brad Wright, which I filmed him at, at GateCon, and then Kieran Dixon and I. Um, uh, who, he runs uh, Stargate Command. We interviewed Tom Macbeth. Oh wow! About an hour and a half. That was fascinating. And uh, we uh, recently uh, shot uh, Neil Acri, the the last uh, uh, one of the last surviving composers uh, for for Stargate in his studio, and that was an amazing uh, hour hour and a half. Uh, we also sat down with Robert Picardo and Tori Higginson and David Deloise. And uh, also on stage at GateCon, we also sat down with Dean Aylesworth and um, Jacqueline Samuda for a, a live dialing home uh, about the Goa Wold. So very cool. That's uh, what you can expect for later this year. I just think it's so cool that Stargate now has like a, a show that's dedicated to covering Stargate. You know, whether it's the actors or the locations or or whatever, or wherever you visit. Yeah, the location series 
Sam Mags, we're we're working uh, with with her. You can Google Sam. She's uh, she's a she's a pretty impressive author um, and uh, and host. She's running her own location series. Uh, we went to a number of different places in Vancouver already and and have shots. And I can't wait to show what's uh, what's what's up next with that. It's really exciting stuff. So there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to. So that was the 150th anniversary discussion of the GateWorld podcast. And want to give a special thanks to David Reed, who took some time out of his schedule uh, to join us. Next time, we're going to be having another anniversary discussion. This time, it'll be the 10th anniversary for Stargate the Ark of Truth. Um, we're going to do two anniversary discussions, both for Arc of Truth and Continuum, and try to get those out while it's still 2018. Um, I'm hoping I can convince Darren to, to join me for that. Good luck. <laughs> no, I'll do it. Ah! Well, thank you guys for inviting me back, and um, it, it was really a pleasure to 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 join you guys once again. And uh, here's to another 150. Yeah, 150. Keep up the great work at Stargate Command. Of course, everybody can find David and his work over at StargateCommand.co. You can always find links to everything that we've talked about on this episode of the podcast in the show notes. That's at GateWorld.net. And I'm Adam Barnard, and thanks for joining us for the GateWorld Podcast.